Oh, we are so professional. Right. Anyway, as I was saying... <laughs> Sorry. Yes, carry on, <laughs> That's mother. That's all right. Hello, dear listener. Listen, if you've got a good story, something embarrassing that's happened to you, like the worst thing that ever happened on a date, or if you've ever done something like my sister who pushed my brother into a swimming pool fully clothed, only to discover that it was not not my brother. Uh, but if you've got anything <laughs> true... <laughs> if you've got any Just embarrassing stories... his face, but not brother. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, <gasps> So classic. We were teenagers. Awful, awful. Posh oh, dude in a suit, pushed into oh, a pool. God. If you've got any stories like I that, I did once feel my go up to my boyfriend in a public place and stroke his buttocks, and it wasn't him. Oh, you're a sex pest, then, Louise. I'm a sex pest, mate. I'm a sex pest. Anywho, yeah. uh, so send us your embarrassing stories. You can add your name to it if you want to, or ask us. Please don't use my name. Also, absolutely fine. Send them in. Find us on the socials and send them to us. Yes. Uh, if talking of names, I don't know if you've listened to the end of the podcast, faithful listener, but we do a bit at the end where we ask yeah. our guests, where can our listener, and then we name a listener. And um, some of them are hilarious ones we've made up, but quite a lot of them are real humans uh, yeah. who do listen to the podcast. So if you want to be the listener at the end of the podcast, then do let us know and we'll give you a mensch or if you want to dedicate it to a friend that would be yeah. even better but as long as your friend is named as long as we're not like this is the week of gb news not launching <laughs> and with a lot of getting a lot of phone calls from people <laughs> called huge anus and don't give a ship and and <laughs> not those we can see through those ones either send us it on the socials or, or if you see us it in public just gently stroke our buttocks no no don't just say hello I'm enjoying the podcast and I'd love to be a listener don't stroke our buttocks do not stroke buttocks but but um, come and see us uh, if you happen to be around this weekend being the 19th and 20th of June when this episode goes out we are in Brighton doing our live shows at 8.15 in the evening as part of Brighton Fringe and you can come and see the absolutely live recording of Early Doors with Susan Murray and Laura Lex um, and you can get two for one tickets so you can activate those powers by simply approaching the box office personage and saying in a nice clear voice choose it or lose it what, what a magical power you should have you can come on your own and have two seats either way it's fine just by the way if you think you're doing that for covid sort of reasons that we'll all be desperately socially distanced so please Properly don't done. do that yeah don't need to don't need to <laughs> don't babe need we to. will keep you safe yeah. and you might even get involved in the show if you come in you never know if you want to and it's a free country it's consensual as is everything um, especially stroking louise's buttocks has to be consensual anyway this week's episode is with the, the gloriously fabulous callie beaton and and who got a little bit starstruck I did. I was a bit giddy and annoying at the beginning, I have to say. And, Not in the uh, slightest bit annoying, but gloriously giddy. But uh, luckily, I think Lambert Butler's pulled a blinder and managed to cut out most of my insane end of day and giggles and the weird stuff. It's a super episode, so let's run the podcast. Hello, I'm Pauline Nair. And I'm Louise Lee. This is Early Doors, and we are... Opening Doors to other dimensions. Here's, Here's how, it, how works. it works. Oh, God, you say that. It's yours. <laughs> we feed information about our guest into our space-time generator, the Dimension Matrix, or Dominatrix for short, and it creates a whole bunch of portals or doors into other dimensions. And then we let our guest peer through those doors into alternative realities. Will they be living out their wildest dreams, trapped in their childhood nightmares? Or some weird bastard mixture of the two. But Pauline, who is our lucky guest today? It's a multi-careered, multi-successful woman who can drop the biggest and best names in the world. You'll have seen her on your telly if you like QI and The Apprentice. She used to be responsible for SpongeBob SquarePants and she's a comedian who cannot be beaten. I didn't write that. It's Callie Beaton! <laughs> I love the. Oh, we started on the beaten pun. We're on the. Where this is going to be a good one. I can We're feel it. We're going to stick on that waters. beaten track. <laughs> oh, here we go. She's got more. Yeah, she's got more. 
I was wondering if I could change it live as I was reading it to who Callie be beaten. No, no, no. Uh, Callie, I'm delighted to have you here uh, talking about alternative dimensions because I feel that in an alternative, an alternate dimension, we could be each other. Like, I literally think you interviewed You're me for a job me out at MTV. Now, well, we used to both work in the 90s, in telly, in the mm-hmm. business end. Um, we did. And I, I do actually believe you may have interviewed me for a job at MTV. Oh, fancy revealing sales. this on a podcast instead I know. of on the quiet. <laughs> I know, I don't know why it didn't occur to me. And also, if I interviewed right? you and you didn't end up working for me, either I didn't give you the job or you, or I did and you told me to fuck off. So oh, no, either way, it didn't end well. I, I'm really, on your part, 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 a very, very good decision. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have thrived there. <laughs> oh, no, that's not true. The business would not have thrived. I think I'd have loved <laughs> so, you. I wonder. I wonder. This competition must have been very steep, Louise. Very you would have. Steep. You'd have been yeah, a shoe well. in. Oh, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so that's you know. I just sort of think it's interesting to consider those decisions. So, Kelly, <laughs> lots of the things. Louise that just come wanted out. to let you know that she's very angry with the life that you led and how well you did in telly. <laughs> and that I turned her down at a job interview. Yes, and that's no. I'm not angry about. about that at all. <laughs> but it's just interesting to me. Expect well, eight. You know, very difficult scenarios ahead. <laughs> You're interviewing serious. somebody for a job and <laughs> she's really she's amazing. you decide. <laughs> should, right. we, should we so, talk about Kelly. the game? Yeah, I'm doing it now. Um, lots of things that will come out of the dominatrix, this special machine, are made from ingredients that come from your own life. Okay. And before we set her off, uh, we've got one more person we need to put in. Someone whose career... Tell, tell me anybody in the world whose career really inspires you. Who would you have liked to have... Or who would you like to emulate? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, well, I think comedically, I was hoping to choose um, a woman. I was thinking about people like Sophie Walker from the Women's Equality Party and people like that. Yeah. But then I... And Michelle Obama. But then the person I'm going to go for, because comedically I love him so much, is Stephen Colbert. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Yeah, go on. He's Tell us, amazing. for listeners who don't know about the fantastic Stephen Colbert. So Stephen just... Colbert, so the reason I, this sounds like I'm just going to clunk name drops in the whole time, and I promise I'm you not. Are. But we used to, when I, I am, when I worked at Comedy Central in the US, um, we had uh, the Colbert Report, which was a spoof uh, sort of late night, kind of late night, late show, sort of like this, like the James Corden sort of um, show. And Stephen Colbert hosted it in the persona of a correspondent who was quite uh, right wing, but actually that's not what he's like at all. And he then ended up, that show did incredibly well. And he then ended up moving across to hosting The Late Show on CBS in the States. And the thing that's been really inspiring about him, he's incredible. He went through the Upright Citizens Brigade and is a brilliant improviser, such a talented guy. But what's been so inspirational is watching how he's done it via Zoom. Um, I'm sure it wasn't literally Zoom, but doing it mm. remotely for all these months. So when I've been doing Zoom gigs, like I'm sure all of us have, I was I would always try and channel what he did a bit more than thinking, oh, I'll just try and do my stand-up on on a screen. I'd be like, what would a monologuer do in this scenario? Because yeah. it's effectively what you're doing as a TV monologue. So I, I and you can look at all his stuff on um look at all his stuff on, on YouTube. It's it's out, you know, he does four monologues a week when they're when they're not um when they haven't gone yeah. to dark and he's it's brilliant. Mm. There you go. Long explanation about one of my yeah. absolute heroes. No, he's fab. Great. We're going to pop him in the machine. In Brilliant. He goes. Hope he I end up doing given... something exciting with him. Yeah, who knows? Isn't that a salad spinner? No. So before we look through the first door, just explain the game. The good news is we're going to use the power of the dominatrix to allow you to actually walk through one of the doors and live the life you see on the other side. The bad news is you have to make the decision before you know what all the options are. So if you see something you like, it's choose it or lose it. Okay? I feel like I'm on an ITV high-pressure daytime game show. Yeah, we need, we need lights and heartbeat music, don't we? Just to really go, go, go. rank up. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get on with the game. It's about time. Yeah. Door number one. So, 
famously, it says here, you did an Edinburgh show called Invisible. Uh, why did you call it that? I called it that because it was the year that I turned 50 and there was a B-list French celebrity at the start of that year, a man by the name of Yann Moi, who made global headlines when he said a woman at 50 is invisible. And he did get taken to task by a lot of incredible 50-year-old and 50-something women online. Um, he said lots of things about women's bodies being unattractive at that age. Uh, he was a bishop. He was un dick français. And I was like, <laughs> Oh. So, um, so yeah, so that's why I did Invisible. Uh, it just seemed like a really good time. At the time, I was working on a show, and it had gone through about three different titles. And then I was like, well, that's the obvious one, Invisible. Yeah. So I decided to do my most visible show the year that I turned 50, and that that French man said I was invisible. And his name was Yann Moi. Is it not? Yeah. That's not the same name as Jan Moyer. Isn't there Jan no. Moyer at the Daily Mail? <laughs> God, that's... Cut yeah, from the it same is... cloth. Definitely. Yeah. That's true. I'd never thought of that. I'm going to do something with that. I'm going to write that on my little material list. Yeah. You're welcome. I write for Kelly. Thank Meeting you. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome to. I haven't written a joke in 18 months. All donations gratefully welcome. You're in fine post 50 company here, apart from Louise. Fuck off. You don't have the right to talk in this conversation. <laughs> I've got 11 months. I've got 11 months. Um, so it's good I'm to be this age now because we get vaccinated quickly. I mean, are you vaccinated yet, Louise? I'm hot. I'm 50-50. Yeah, but I bet me I'm and Pauline are fully. Are you fully? Jab, I'm baby, fully as well. Yeah. I'm really Who's sorry. I'm, I'm too young and glamorous <laughs> to be vaccinated. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, they're getting in them at 30 I'm now. So, I'm so shocked. <laughs> I know. Bastards. Um, anyway, so in this dimension, through door number one, you are actually invisible. And you, it's your superpower, basically. Mm -hmm. So your job is to move through the world undetected and spy on one particular person. Anyone you'd like to spy on if you were given the chance? Oh, that's a really good question. Who would I like to spy on? I think it would probably be, I mean, I'm sort of feeling like it probably would be someone politically at the moment. I'm not normally a sort of very serious political person. There's so much crap going on and I'm getting so enraged by, yeah. by sort of strong, strong man syndrome in political leadership. I'd probably like to go digging in Downing Street and then be able to go, right, I've got all the information you need now and we can now actually start unpicking some of this crap. And so I'd, I think really I'd do that. You could just wear a really loud pink and gold top and stand in front of the wallpaper. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, the not the not John Lewis, but the, but not a John Lewis top because that <laughs> certainly wouldn't be camouflaged against that, would it? That's true. Apparently something's gone wrong with the wallpaper and it has to be taken down and redone or something. Well, probably because it's got bloody gold in it, which is heavy to put on a wall. What you want is paper on a wall or paint, not gold. I'm no expert. You know? That's what I think. Um, so, unfortunately, well, I don't know. We might be able to give you that. But uh, in the meantime, let's see what the dominatrix has thrown up. Let's see. Oh, is it me? It is me. It is you. So no, who, who is she going to be spying on, Louise? You who are you spying on? Oh. Oh. This is an interesting one. You're spying on Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I would like to spy on Gwyneth Paltrow, wouldn't you? Oh. I'd like to think you spy on her and she's eating burgers and she's like filthy yes. and she's there are no candles and she's got ketchup <laughs> all down her beige pashmina. That's what I would like <gasps> to see. Oh, yeah, and she wipes her hands on the cushions. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't you like to see that? And that there's no salad in the fridge and oh, I'd yeah. love to see it and that the kids oh. are sitting there totally like watching crap on the telly and that's what I'd like to see. Can yeah. she have? So, like, she picks her nose, takes a bogey out, and goes. Yeah, I could probably market that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what I'd like yeah. to see. Gwyneth uncovered. Do you think, though, Callie, that this is the dimension you're going to choose? Uh, in a word, no. No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you're astonished. Just me. because Let I think I feel like it would be sort of fueling the. I mean, really, what we're trying to do with Instagram and all of that is we're trying to peek behind the curtain. I know it's a curated curtain, but we all spend so much time giving a shit what people like Gwyneth Paltrow yeah. do that I'd like to think for my absolute ideal. 
there'd be something more worthwhile than spending my time spying on Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, motivated yeah. by and trying to... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also actually being invisible as well. You know, actually once it's close invisible, enough... I th- yeah, I think it would be sad to be actually invisible. I just like being at the sort of age in the demographic where people underestimate me enough sometimes that I slip under the radar and surprise mm. them. So I do think being invisible is a bit of a superpower sometimes, um, or being underestimated can be a superpower if you get the chance to defy expectation. But to be actually invisible, I feel like that as the parent of um, you know teenagers anyway. So mm. yeah, who needs yeah. it for real? No, exactly. Okay, let's close the door. I have been known to stand at a bar in the olden days. I once stood at a bar and went, am I literally invisible because I'm over 50? And then the barman (laughs) came over. I had sat there, I just literally stood there patiently for ages while all these young people came around me and got served. So I I do tend to blurt at those I hope he also said, and you don't look over 50, what? (laughs) I did a comedy competition and I talked about being invisible and I talked about never getting served at the bar. And the bar was at the back of the room and I came off, I had a really, really good night and I came off the stage and the barman literally put a gin and tonic on the bar. (laughs) Just, there you go. I that's why Pauline does gigs. She so... does that shit so that everywhere Lovely. she goes, she gets a free drink on the bar. She spends gin. most of her <laughs> yeah. sets saying, no one ever gives me gin. And the way I like it is uh, this much lemon. <laughs> and, this much, yeah. and, then, and then she's like, that was a good night. That was, that was so nice when he did that. It was like, you're my favourite. Anyway. But I think we'll shut the door on invisibility <laughs> as far as the guest is concerned. Let's do that. One down, seven to go. Door number two. Okay, so every time you want to buy alcohol or paracetamol or, I don't know, a knife, you're asked for proof of age. And every single time, they don't believe you and they go and get a supervisor. This sounds like a fun scenario. I want to mm, it. It does. No matter where you're shopping, whether it's B&Q, Asda, Fortnum & Mason's, the supervisor is always the same person. And the person is... Elton John. <laughs> Elton John. So every time you go to the shop... Elton John comes over and says, I'm sorry, madam, I need proof that you're old enough to buy that. I sound like quite fun. Presumably because you're Callie Beaton, you've met Elton John. Oh, obviously, met Elton John being on his private plane. I think um, Elton John, I wasn't sure I wasn't sure about Elton John during the sort of tantrums and tiara sort of phase. But then having seen Rocket Man, I absolutely loved, I just mm. loved, the, it was called Rocket Man, wasn't it? This it is Menno Brain. Yeah. yeah, I absolutely loved it in a way that I didn't expect to. And because we saw that stuff... You know, the, the whole stuff where he's in group therapy and, and that yes. in anyone who hasn't seen it, um, it's not a spoiler alert because people probably know he did it. And I actually had group therapy, and this is going in a whole other non-comedic direction. I had group therapy in a psychiatric hospital quite intensively in my 40s. And there was something about watching the way it happened and then watching his, his revelations mm. and how he started to weave together the bits of his life. And I felt massive affinity for Elton John. And I absolutely loved the performances were so good in that. It was such a brilliant film. So really now that was. I've watched that, yeah, it was so good. So I yeah. think I've, I probably, now that I know what I feel I know about Elton, I'd be like, yeah, I'd love him to keep set. So basically, I could just go to the shops just because I wanted another chat with Elton, couldn't I? Yeah. And he'd yeah. have to come. It's like having yeah. Elton and- in a, like a, my genie in a bottle would be Elton John. I'm not yeah, sure about exactly. his singing performances at the moment, though. He's gone a little bit, I'm going to do a parody of Elton John in the way that I sing, which has gone a bit... But he's not going to sing to me, is he? He's just going to ask me for he my ID. So yeah, he and he's just going to go, it's a little bit funny, I'm checking your age again. <laughs> Strange. I think it would be, I think it'd be quite cool. It'd be like having a little, it'd be like having a friend. And we could yeah. have a middle-aged glasses off because uh, I'm a fan of glasses nowadays. So, yeah, I yeah. think it would be – I like. I like this one. Oh, are you going to choose it or lose it? This is fascinating. It's very early days to uh, – oh. very early doors to make that decision. But it's I don't think – it's only because you've – It's a good one. Yeah. It's strate- strategically, as someone who used to work in game show formats for years, I know that I'd be a bit of an idiot to take this one because I don't really know, here's what I could have won. So I think yeah, I'm going to have to... I also need to bear in mind we're a couple of amateurs who've put this game together and the rest of it might be shit. 
Yeah, that's true. But I'm going to give you the benefit. What did you say? No. <laughs> I'm going to no. I'm going to. I'm going to assume that's not the case, and that you two have got a very well crafted, formatted podcast. And on that basis, and pretending I'm now on an important ITV game show, I'm going to say no. I'm going to lose it. Oh <gasps> shit, guys. <sighs> Wait till she has that. That will never happen. It'll never, It'll never happen. happen. It'll be fine. Okay, let's move on. Door number three. Okay, you're on a beautiful Greek island. You live there now. You drink ouzo with friends every evening in the taverna over the finest of meze. And by night, you sometimes run a gentle stand up gig. By day, you sell ice creams on the harbour front from your little van. How's it sound so far? <laughs> well, this is a little reference to the fact I used to sell ice creams from a van driving around Salisbury Plain, around the army bases of Salisbury Plain, uh, and on a commission-only basis, uh, which was quite challenging. You had to sell... You don't want to be selling like milk pops. I used to, my dream was finding some sort of old, you know, army granny who might buy a Vionetta. I lived for that. Uh, so um, I didn't have, didn't have enough petrol money covered. Uh, so, um, but I did really like selling ice creams and um, and I liked listening to the ice cream chimes. The bit that puts me off that scenario isn't the selling ice creams. It's the fact that um, I'm a redhead, so there's a limit to how much sun I would want to be in. Mm. And I, it's funny I was saying I was in Cornwall last week which I know is not a Greek island but I was saying it's funny isn't it you go to places on holiday and you're like oh my god I love it here but you just yeah. know you would not mm. want to live there so I in a very sort of boring <laughs> realistic way oh, wait, hang on. I would you say haven't found that out the rest of the scenario yet then yeah like, the Greek yeah the, you don't know about okay yeah. yeah did you ever have ice cream yeah, wars did out. you ever there were ice cream wars. There was a film called Ice Cream Wars that came out around that time, and it did used to get vicious. The boss's mm. the boss's daughter had the Mister Whippy van, and I didn't have a Mister Whippy van. I couldn't do a whippy, and so sometimes and she would go on the route. He would tell everyone what route to go, and she would have gone to all the army bases about two hours before me for starters. So not only did she get there first, oh. but she got there with Mister Whippy, and then I'd get there two hours later. And first of all, everyone had had a bloody ice cream, and then everyone wanted a Mister Whippy. It was a setup. It was brutal. <laughs> well, it's not. This is a really nice life. This is a really nice life. You, but you have a business partner in this in our Greek scenario, uh -oh. which obviously, like me, pale Greece has limited things. But um, there are two of you, and you're just squished together in the van all day. Uh, but that person is. Oh, it's Sandy Toxvig. So oh, that would quite be small. Yeah, that would be lovely because yeah, she's quite small. I could pop her on the dashboard. Um, like, I was going to say like a nodding doggy, but that's so not okay. I'll never get a few again now. Uh, great for hugs, though. You could have hugs. It, we could have hugs. And also she's um, – I do know her wife a bit. I don't know how her wife would feel about this. I might lose my friendship with Debbie. But I do think that that would be – I mean, she's definitely got a lot of interesting stuff in her big brain. that we. So there'd be no shortage yeah. of things to hear about. And I think she and I would both enjoy partaking of the odd sneaky ice cream of our own as well, like nicking our stock. I think we'd both be down with that. So, yeah. Oh, that does put a, an appealing twist on it. Yeah. The odd swift 99. But is it appealing enough? Swift it's not appealing enough because it's, in, because it's in Greece. I like being in London. I don't want to live in Greece. <laughs> I don't want to. I've seen Mamma Mia under duress. I don't want that life. Wow! <laughs> yes, okay. I, that's lovely. I, I, mean, I love I've also seen went... Shirley Valentine, and that's just delicious. That's yeah, but nice. that was a holiday. I mean, he wasn't going yeah, to be kissing sure. her stretch marks long term. It was very much a temporary arrangement, and who would not like their stretch marks kissed in that manner? But By it's it's for holiday. It's it's for Christmas, not for life. Yes, oh. yes. It's um, I like that. I love that as a as a fair person. You went warm country, sunburn. No, you've you got know, to be practical as a redhead. Absolute, that's my yeah. absolute instinct as a as a blue skinned Scot. Yeah, is that you yeah. know I will just it's not practical. It's just yeah. not going to be fun for me. And also aging. The sun it. is and the sun is very aging on one's skin. Suddenly yeah. we'd all look it is. like we were seventy five. I'd look like I a seventy five year old tomato. 
<laughs> I worked on and off for two years in the sunshine in Greece going for Yeah, but I bet you could get away with it. Well, I no, bet you look. This is why I now have the skin of a, of a woman who's worked a lot in the sunshine in Greece. Well, it doesn't look like that. It looks lovely skin. And I bet you go a lovely colour in the sun, Pauline. This is why I love Callie Beaton. Well, I do have lots of <laughs> Not exotic blood in me, that <laughs> which my, none of right, my children so... have, which is a joy. Um, <laughs> oh, were you burnt, Let's... darling? Oh. <laughs> anyway, it's not about Let's me. kiss goodbye to, to Sandy Toxvik's Cornettos and uh, oh, <laughs> Okay, let's see. Coming so. up to the halfway mark. Door number four. What, what keeps you awake at night, Callie? Uh, worrying about being found out, I think, is quite a big one. That I I know everybody has imposter syndrome, uh, or lots of people do have it. But I properly think, with the times when I have it, which are multitudinous, I always think, no, I really am an imposter because I don't have it about everything. So I think the things I have it about, it's probably because I'm really shit at them and I shouldn't be doing them. And that oh. does include repeated crises about stand up. I have. I cannot tell you how many crises I have about whether I should be a comedian. It's like, just does not. In fact, it's got worse over the years I've really? done it. It definitely has got worse. Despite I the evidence more, to the contrary. Well, I just, I don't know. I look back at some of the things I did and the competitions I used to go in for and the fact that I'd get all my friends to come and watch me. And I'm like, God, I don't, I don't know anyone who knows me come and watch me now. And it's not, I should say, before I talk myself out of any more bookings, um, <laughs> I do seem to, it does seem to keep going okay, but I properly, I properly doubt myself about lots of things actually but comedy is definitely right up there so i, think I, it's I literally so set get up anxious for it, though, as yeah. well isn't it it's so set up for uh for that and this year has been like a real for me anyway it's been a sign from the universe how you know really sometimes to give up like yeah just go why are you even trying that yeah it's yeah. also I interviewed Jess Foster Q yesterday for my podcast and she she brilliantly said she talked about that book about you know letters to a young poet or whatever the book's called yeah. um she and she said that Sarah Pascoe gave that to her when she because she's of that same kind of um you know peer group as Sarah Pascoe and, and and all that lot who went on to do very well very quickly and she said you've just got to compete against yourself you know it's not about and enjoy the journey because wherever you get next there's always the next thing you won't have done and it was just a really good reminder actually I thought yeah who am I comparing myself to like yeah, it yeah. doesn't as I'm doing okay by my own standards what am I doing but yes imposter syndrome keeps literally I sometimes wake up with proper anxiety and have to go right you know inhabit your body not your mind you're okay <laughs> yeah. do you think that's from from going to a boys school being the only girl in a boys school I think not belonging is a big thing. So I always feel I don't belong anywhere. And I always feel like everyone's mates and everyone's having a laugh and everyone's good at everything. And they're looking at yeah. me going, well, why are you here? So, yeah, I definitely have a sort of residual. I'm not invited to the party. I'm the sort of unpopular, uncool kid, which it can be a bit exacerbated on the circuit, I think, where you do sometimes go into like green rooms and it feels quite pally. So I think, and I think it is, you're being a yeah. mum on the circuit as well, where you've got a reason that you've got to be up early in the morning and you've got a reason that you've got to get home at night. You know, if your if if your peers in comedy are twenty three year old blokes who have no commitments and they go out for beers after and then come into the gigs the next morning or the next time time talking about that last time they went out and you've been like, well, I was at home, I gig so I can get home by and midnight. also because we just don't necessarily and it's so not get that up at six my children are very young. It's it's also that that they're all going to go out drinking and it's like I don't. I don't really need to, and they don't need the 54-year-old with them as they're going out drinking. Yeah. And I don't particularly yeah, yeah. want, you know, it's all about who's going out with who and, and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. That's, that's actually, I, I love those people and I love spending time with them, but I don't necessarily mm. want to go out drinking with them. It's Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. yeah, there is definitely the social thing, but I do think there's also about knowing what I don't know because I worked in comedy most of my career from the other side of the camera and the stage. I really am aware of the gap between what I do and what I want to do. Like, I know we all are. We all are aware of that. But I have such, it's so clear to me <laughs> what I'm doing <laughs> and then what I'd love to be able to do and what I've seen other people do. And I think it's really healthy to have some humility and know you've got a long way to go. And that's probably why we all get better. And we've all seen people who come off stage thinking they smashed it and we're like, oh, what alternate universe are you in? And I know I'll <laughs> yeah. never be that person. I'll always beat myself up. 
by the little thing I didn't do right. I'll never celebrate the good stuff. But I do think it's also that I, I'm just really aware and I'm hugely admiring of so many people on the circuit, on telly, not on telly. There's so many people that are not at all known outside of the circuit that are bloody amazing. You know, people like yeah. Nathan Cassidy. I'm like, fucking mm. hell. He is just incredibly talented. And I watch people, I gig with people like Nathan. I'm like, well, I can't come up with all that material and I haven't got improv skills and why am I here? So I do think there's, um, it, it's yeah. about, it's about awareness and also having different professional hats. I do other things like public speaking, you know, keynote speaking that I know I am all right at. And sometimes I think, well, why yeah. don't you just do that? So, yeah, um, yeah just talk Richard myself Todd out of any comedy mine. booking. Richard Todd <laughs> is amazing. Richard Todd is mine. I yeah. see Richard yeah. Todd and I feel like a complete fangirl. I'm, I'm always crying with laughter in the corner. Yeah, he's amazing. And, and I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. He's also one of my guilty crushes on the circuit. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Richard Todd. Very attractive man. I've always thought, you know, (laughs) if I was really young and single, he would have been the crush. There you go. Richard Todd. Put him in the show notes. (laughs) Put him in the, uh, put Put him him in the the show. Put him in the And also we need to put him in the show because he is incredible. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah, he is. Okay, well, let's get back to door number four in this um, scenario. In this one, yeah. you're also a high achiever, Callie Beater, just like you are now. Um, but in this scenario, you've turned your considerable powers into a life of crime instead of a life of comedy. And you've awesome. perpetrated a daring raid. It's all over the papers that you've got away with it. So it might keep you up at night that you might get away with things. But in this one, somebody else is going down for it so you have got away with it but not it's not right and you can save them by coming clean but then of course everyone will know you will have been found out for being that awful criminal yeah so let's find out who the person is and find out if they're worth saving first if i'd like to look them up or not (laughs) yeah yeah oh this is good (laughs) it's oprah winfrey Oh, <gasps> what a Oprah is going down for some terrible crime, which is great. You know, some television executive fraudulent crime yeah. she's committed or that you've committed and managed to get away with. And everyone thinks Oprah did it. Oh, Are that's a good one. Go down for it. It's a good scenario, this one. I quite well I've always quite fancied a life of crime I did like shoplifting as a teenager and I talked in invisible about the fact that you get no one assumes as a 50 something that you'll nick anything and that I've literally had people offering me to help me out to my car with things I haven't paid for because they just think I'm a nice lady Uh, and I'm like oh fuck you then yes I will have that garden gazebo for free Uh, so I think so I do like a bit of um pilfering uh and <laughs> oh, so i like to go out pilfering next that's the yeah next you can really pilfer at our age and also even oh. if someone did stop you and you had a bag full of shit you obviously would then play the menopause card you'd be like god it's so <laughs> awful being menopausal and, and people really victimize us and men don't understand us and the security guard would end up apologizing to you uh but anyway and do you so know I'm, I'm bleeding i'm bleeding <laughs> exactly <laughs> metaphorically and literally i think yeah. i would so i like and i also really like the idea I, i've always been an adrenaline junkie i used to sky dive and I've I ride motorbikes and I love all that shit so I, I'd like the idea that I was a getaway driver and it was a proper serious shit thing so I, I'm kind of liking this and also Oprah Winfrey I do I do admire her in lots of ways but she is annoying the shit out of me at the moment because she's doing so much she's so yeah. far up Har- Har- Harry and Meghan or Hagen <laughs> and Mary as I like to call them asses that I sort of think and also it, then I might be able to try and get hold of her show as well because right. I'd be like yeah Ah. Yeah. So I I might go with this one. But would you not is... be awake in the night thinking you're going to get found out? Well, how many nights have I got left, Pauline? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so. and also you're already a criminal, right? So you've taken that. You've obviously taken that leap of that you don't give a yeah. fuck anymore. Right. And I'm assuming if I, as long as I didn't, as long as whatever the crime was, was like a heist. If I was, if I was stealing from people who, if I was going into house breaks of people who didn't have anything, I wouldn't like it. But if I'm stealing from the, if I'm giving it, oh, sticking it to the man. The old, there's no victim. Yeah, I'm sticking it to the man in the bank. I'm <laughs> anyway. So, so I think that man in the bank's got, that man in the bank's got little children who. Yeah, but it's not his money. He's traumatized. The, but he's not paying for I wouldn't have put a gun to the man in the bank on Temple. I think I quite like this one. I quite like this one. Oh. Are you going to go through it? 
I'm gonna, gonna go, go with fuck this up one. Oprah Winfrey's yeah, I'm fucking I'm fucking up Oprah. <laughs> I love this. You didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> I did not see this coming in a hundred years. I love it. Oh wow. So you're gonna walk through door number five to be a criminal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, four. Right. Number four. Number four. Oh yeah, number, only four. number four. We're only halfway. Excellent. Have you ever had anyone go big so soon? I think we have had somebody choose door number four, but it was it was more obvious you're on a Greek island in an ice cream van sort of wow. scenario. Nothing yeah. Yeah. Love, it. Love it. Well, yeah. Kelly, let's see. Remember, you can't change your mind, okay? But let's like see. Life. Like in life, exactly. You see yeah. a door, you go through it, you can't change your mind. So let's just, just like life. Just like, just like deal or no deal. It's, yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful just thing. like it. It is. <laughs> so let's see whether you how you feel about that decision as we look through what you could have been doing mm. door number five omg callie in this one you are gorgeous like like very similar to now i was like natu- what are you <laughs> you saying that <laughs> you that have delete. naturally long legs <laughs> pink lips and a center parting that's right you're a bonobo chimp you live in the wild, in a safe and beautiful environment. Why has the dominatrix brought up the bonobo chimp? This is because my son is a primate specialising um, zookeeper. That his <laughs> autistic obsession is monkeys and apes. And so I did in Super Cali Fragile Lipstick, my show, that only had anyone watching it because Pauline flyered for it. Otherwise, <laughs> it would have just been an uncut gem. Uh, so thank you, Pauline, so much. Um, and yes, so that, and so I talk about bonobo apes in that show and the fact that my son and, and bonobo apes, the other good thing about being a bonobo is they do a lot of happy, happy guilt-free fucking. They all fuck everybody. Yeah. I once went to um, you might need to cut this bit out, but I went once <laughs> went to a dawn to a dawn. Uh, when I go around the world chronicling primates with my son, we don't just turn up when the cafes are open to nice zoos with seating areas. We go to like full on middle of nowhere, no home comforts places, and we were at some weird rare bonobo colony in the arse end of nowhere, and we were there at dawn, and then a kind of um, zookeeper came in and fed them all um, sweet potatoes, and a female, quite an aged female, the matriarch of the group. She um, she took a yam and she stuck it inside herself and then she started pleasuring herself and then uh, a male bonobo who turned out to be one of her sons fucked her up the ass and I was like come on guys and this is before you know, this is before before the sun had come up <laughs> so that is a rich life. <laughs> Oh, wow. They are okay, so the closest to Homo sapiens, aren't they? They are, apparently. So yeah, there you yeah. go. So, I mean, it's a, it's a definitely not um, it's not a dull life as a bonobo. No, and I bet you don't get sunburn if you're a bonobo. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> right. so you you're too busy to get sunburn. Yes, yeah, too busy got <laughs> <laughs> Too busy moving. Um, wow. Wow. So, I mean, if you had, if you weren't fucking up Oprah Winfrey's life, the bonobo would be quite a good option, do you think? Would they are be- lovely and they do live in very caring communities. If anyone wants to, my son sort of uses um, primate communities to decipher human behavior. He finds it really helpful. And sometimes when he was a teenager, I'd have to say, so Adam, as an adolescent bonobo, if the matriarch were to say this, might the adolescent bonobo think about fucking emptying the dishwasher? Yes. Yeah. So, um, but it was, so I think, um, so they are absolutely lovely and they're fascinating and they're the most, most, most lovely primates. But would I want to be a, a primate? I don't think so. You are a primate, mate. I, yeah, you I know. Okay, would I want to be a non, would I want to be a non-verbal? I do like verbal. So I might miss my oh, verbal. Okay. The, the well, female bonobo is, your... is revered and respected though, isn't she? Oh yeah, the, it's all a bit, it's a yeah. very feminist um, society. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in this in this um, scenario, you are essentially, you know, wanking on a yam while someone's uh, doing you up the bum. If that's because you like that, you're a female. Uh, Show title, um, everyone, wanking on a yam. That's uh, 2022. I literally wrote it down. <laughs> wanking on a yam. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see who who is doing you up the ramen. It's a bonobo with the spirit of the soul of Joan Rivers. 
You see, I love Joan Rivers. Oh, I did when she was still alive. But the thought of um, Joan Rivers doing me up the wrong one feels very disrespectful to what someone who is essentially a feminist icon in comedy. So I have to say... Who would have had did... absolutely no qualms at all about taking you up the wrong end? She would take you up the wrong end. Were she still here? Um, and her assistant definitely... Her assistant loved me very much. But no, I would say... No, I'm going to preserve no the dignity and memory of her. Uh, my yes. two favorite, can I tell you my two favorite Joan Rivers lines? One is, um, good parenting is bringing up children who can afford to pay for their own therapy. That is one. Excellent. I just yeah. think it's mm-hmm. amazing. And the other one was, you must always make your children feel guilty. Every time, every time I walk in the room and I sit down and go, oh, ow, you and your big head. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. I really love how respectful um, you've been of the late Joan Rivers while talking about her shagging you up the wrong end. Just, yeah. Just really I think she'd at least do it with a Fabergé egg or something. I think she'd be very classy. Fabergé yam. Fabergé yam. So, no, I'm going to be respectful of my comedy mentor, now deceased, and say, no, I will not put her into that. that. Ridiculous, the no scenario. Well, just as... Sorry. Just as well, because you'd already turned it down. So that's seems yes, fair. Yes, exactly. That's right. good. So only three more regrets to go. Indeed. Only three more regrets to go. If only Let's life were like it. that. <laughs> Door number six. In this scenario, Callie, you're doing a show at the Shaftesbury Fringe again. It's four o'clock in the afternoon and the audience turns out to be entirely made up of boys from the local boarding school. But not the co-ed institution of today. It's the boys who were at that school when you were there. Mm. Mm. That's a very difficult one. That feels different. I'm triggered. I'm triggered. So Shaftesbury and Dorset is where I grew up. Um, For anyone listening who doesn't know where Shaftesbury is, which is probably most people listening unless they're in Shaftesbury. And, yeah, so I went to a boarding (laughs) school called... Shaftesbury. (laughs) Shaftesbury. Exactly. Shaftesbury. It's just an excuse to say Shafts a lot. (laughs) I love saying Shaft. So, yes, I I went to a school (laughs) called Port Regis, which is just outside Shaftesbury. It is actually a lovely school, but strange when you're the only girl. So, um... The only reason I'd like that to do that scenario um, so far is because I was the sort of, um, you know, fat, ginger, knock-kneed teacher's kid. And it was not bespectacled, I should add. It was not a particularly fun time. And I had absolutely no self-confidence and probably quite a big voice, but totally fake brash voice that belied what was really going on so I'd sort of like to now be myself and have my voice in front of those boys and who I guess would now be men and sort of um, not as a kind of in this scenario there's still those boys there's still still those those boys so you get to come back as grown-up Callie and go right lads yeah, the only thing and it's I an opportunity, of course, to be a life coach for them because your your you know your podcast is <laughs> to, all about called Namaste for Motherfuckers is all about yep. self help and self help and, and self development. I think what I probably would feel would be huge empathy for them because they were little boys sent to boarding school. Yeah. So probably yeah. now, as I am now with my own kids, who I would never have sent to boarding school, I would probably look at them and think, oh, and oh, want to babies. do nice restorative yeah. things, and probably yeah. I'd feel a bit maternal towards them. But well, if they were the grown-up men versions, you'd be quite off. But anyway, oh, I'd go, yeah, I'd, I'd go at it. I'd be like, yeah, and not in a bonobo way, but I would, I would have <laughs> that in terms of what I would say. Yeah. And um, in this scenario, there's a teacher who has organised the trip, and they're grinning at you from the front row, and the teacher is John Gordon Sinclair. Oh, I'd like that. John Gordon Sinclair follows me on Twitter. I'd like you Does to know he? that. I uh, don't cool. know why, but I absolutely loved um, Gregory's Girl. Didn't yeah. you? Mm. Oh, so much. Loved it. Wouldn't he be a lovely teacher? And he just is. And I had again. He was another bit. bit he's a bit Richard Toddian, actually, isn't he? And his sort of lanky. I so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I did. I just loved that film. Although I did watch it with my kids. You know those films you love as a kid, and you're like, you'll love this. And I put it on. I was like, oh, you really won't love this. It just made no sense to them with their frames of reference. Um, so I would quite like that one. But I mean, I think you're going to have to go some to compete with banging up Oprah Winfrey for a crime she didn't commit. <laughs> That's a bit <laughs> in my opinion. So, no, I don't want this one. Okay, let's keep going. 
door number seven. Okay, you're sitting in a dark TV production gallery. On the monitors, you can see a tiny green screen studio with a fake tanned presenter selling almost diamond jewellery. It's midnight. You're working at a shopping channel. Nobody's watching, let alone buying. Basically, it's my career. (laughs) (laughs) And had you given me that job all those years ago, you wouldn't have this scenario now. So I hope you're thinking on that. (laughs) This is what happens. (laughs) <laughs> I knew this was going to come back. I follow Iman on Facebook and Iman is doing shopping channel stuff. She keeps going, Iman is live now. And I click on it and she's doing shopping channel. A lot of quite cool people do shopping channel. Very cool. Joe Rivers, of course, mm. famously did. She did. Joe I've got Rivers quite a lot of Joe Rivers shopping channel merchandise that she insisted on <laughs> foisting upon me at every possible opportunity. She always had some. It's like, where'd you get that from, Joan? She'd just be standing there with a dress and a handbag. And next year, you know, you'd get a Joan Rivers branded champagne flute. And you'd be like, oh, I came from nowhere. <laughs> she pulled it out of her flouch. No, she didn't. She must have. She must have. You, are dis- only- you keep disrespecting Ms. Rivers. I'm so sorry. I'm so yes. sorry. Uh, so let's see who the other, the one other member of the crew is in that production gallery. Oh, that's the wrong button for Christ's sake. It's um, French actor Yann Wah. <laughs> the man who said the horrible things about the women. Well, that's a very, I mean, imagine if I'd ended up stuck with that one. That would I have imagine. been just awful. I know. Yeah. I wouldn't mind the shopping channel bit. And I know from my apprentice, you're fired things that doing the shopping channel challenge when they have to do shopping channel, that's really difficult. I have mm-hmm. huge respect for people. Gemma Forte, brilliant, brilliant human, does lots of shopping channel stuff. So full, fair play to anyone who does that. But no, it's just the Yanwar bit. I don't want to be anywhere near that man. No, no. Especially not stuck in a dark gallery. No, yeah. no, no. Ugh. No. Okay. <laughs> So, well, should we just shut the door on that one then? This real thing, babe. Okay. Oh well. So now we're getting to the final one. Should we? Should we? Should we open the door first? No, uh, no I think we need to no, say. No, you, the, you, the... you do the door number eight thing, and then I. Oh yeah, sorry, I darling. Can't. No, we do don't. We do it at this point. Format point. We do it now. We do it now. <laughs> Before Would you want to come up with the format? Yeah, yeah. It is my background. Yeah, we could do it with a fucking professional on this. So here's the format (laughs) is, yeah, go on, you do it then, Pauline. Should we do it? Should we offer it? We offer it, yeah. Are you a a gambler, Callie? I am a gambler, yes. I've done lots of gambling in in Cannes, obviously. Did I mention Cannes? And also Monte Carlo, Las Vegas. I do. I have actually gambled quite a lot, yeah. Because we've got one more scenario for you, and you've already chosen, you you know, getting Oprah sent to prison for a crime mm. she didn't commit fancy gambling for whatever is behind door number eight i don't think you could tear me wild horses couldn't tear me away from the door i've picked <laughs> so <laughs> i like gambling but not that much so i'm gonna not gamble you're gonna stick mm, i'm oh, gonna okay. stick all right let's, let's open it door number eight so in this dimension, there are no newspapers, no websites. All the reviews are written on a piece of paper and delivered in the form of paper aeroplanes. <laughs> what? What's the dominatrix getting at here, Callie? <laughs> this was a gig I did. So glad you brought it up. Gig <laughs> I did at the Hastings Fringe, where, which is a brilliant fringe festival, by the way. Oh. It lovely, loved doing it. But I hadn't really looked at the venue that I'd been booked for, for one of the shows I did there. And it was an outdoor venue. So anyone who's been there will know the one just off the kind of main drag. And so you tend to get less um, Cali fans and more people who want to sit down and a drink or an ice cream. So people come and go, no one gives a shit that you're doing comedy. And these kids, there was a sort of balustrade up above the stage, um, up sort of like the town yeah. kind of raised walk. And these teenagers were throwing down paper planes at me. Um, and I started opening them, they had messages on. So I started reading out the messages, which were actually quite funny and yeah, that no yeah. one else was listening to my jokes. And then one of them came down and it said, don't give up. And I read it out and I was like, that's so sweet. And then the next one... <laughs> 
quickly came down afterwards and it said, your day job. So um, that's, <laughs> that's what the dominatrix is getting at. Yeah. Oh. Well, so imagine... Imagine that in this dimension, so then you know you're getting reviews. This is this is your feedback from the audience. You don't get reviewed on a website or in a paper. You get bombarded at the end of a gig by paper aeroplanes. But one person is standing there patiently holding their plane, and they offer it to you, and you take it and you open it up, and it says, "Let's meet in the pub next door after the gig." And that person is. Stephen Colbert. Oh, no, I can't believe it. Do you know, the only thing is, though, that I'm so in love with Stephen Colbert, right, that if you do, you know when you do meet your hero and then sometimes you're like, oh, no, they either, you sort of want them to be, Adam Buxton talks about this um, with, did he meet Bowie? He met somebody he absolutely loved. It might have been Bowie. And he was so upset that he didn't get, that he wasn't, he was thought he'll be like my best mate, and if he met me, he'd love me. Yeah. And then when he did, so the only worry with that is um, is that he might not be. I mean, I I knew him back in the day when he wasn't known, but would he yeah. give a shit? Um, and he's married. If he was single, I would be <laughs> so upset. He would be. He would be in the would same dimension. Yeah, I think so. I think that's. But that's then Oprah would still roam free, wouldn't she? So why <laughs> yeah, are we she, she was. So there's that. There's that duty to society that I hadn't done. <laughs> So I'm going to pretend I have no regrets, even though I have slight regrets at not gambling. Yeah. Aww. Yeah, well, you know, that's the, the, I love that you win some, you lose some. And, you know, that's uh sorry but that's the that's the the nipples isn't it that's not the expression i think that's i think those, i think you just Cookies. quoted such a very verbatim there louise <laughs> yeah, well I'm, I'm so <laughs> wise yeah Did that was such very, very such wise. a lovely verbatim quote and i'm just sad because there were two names left in the in the dominatrix and the other one was martin bashir and you could have gone fine <laughs> oh typical <laughs> topical comedy topical guys well. yeah. yeah but that's it well you'll never i think we should send Callie off uh, to door number four where she's going to have have done the heist and yeah. uh, letting Oprah rot. <laughs> Just before yeah. we let you go through the door, Callie, um, where can our listener, Tim, who services my car, find out more about you? Uh, so I have my website, so calliebeaton.com. Uh, you can get a very good idea of what I'm up to on Twitter and on Instagram. And I have uh, my Namaste motherfucking podcast. Uh, and uh, every Monday, a new episode drops. So, um, yes, we've got some amazing awesome. names in the bag and a lot more coming. So, yes, that's where you can find me. Fantastic. Lovely. We will send you through the door. Off you go. Bye. Uh, that's all we've got time for. Follow us on the socials at E-Y-R-E-L-E-I-G-H on Twitter. We are Early Doors on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed yourself, please leave us a review and subscribe or tell a friend. Please rate us. Please do all three. It really, really helps. Right, I'm off through this door to find Barney the purple dinosaur when he was in an egg and make a fucking omelette. I hate that dinosaur. <laughs> and I'm going through this door back to Wembley Stadium, 20th of June, 1987, front row, right on the barriers, David Bowie's glass spider tour. Oh, heaven. This podcast is brought to you by us. We did all the work. The voiceovers were by John Darvel. Well done here, May. Eh? <laughs>